0: I I was terribly despondent when it first happened, but then I realized that being a morning guy on a radio was not who I was. It was just what I did.
1: Welcome back to Finding Your Spark After a Loss, and I am so glad to be here today with my friend, John Ashton. Now, we're today going to be talking about the benefits of losing yourself because of a loss. Not too often do we get to talk about the benefits, but that's what we'll be talking about. So before we get started, I wanna just tell you a little bit about John. John Ashton spent 25 years as a morning radio personality and of course has the twisted sense of humor to prove it in markets from Bangor, Maine to Dallas, Texas. He's embarrassed himself on many golf courses in those towns too. His jokes may not be getting any better, but his golf game has improved substantially. John is currently the host of two nationally syndicated radio shows. One is Those Weekend Golf Guys, and the second is called The Approach Shot. Both shows are golf-themed and can be heard coast-to-coast every weekend. Thank you so much for being here, John.
0: Thanks for the invite,
1: Tom. Huh? Yeah. It's good yeah. To I appreciate good it. How are you? Time- you're looking all,
0: all nice and tropical. I feel
1: you know? tropical. I'm feeling some tropical going on right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll all tell right. you what, there's no place better. I mean, I know we're not going to talk a lot about death today, but there is no place better to learn about new ways to handle loss than Mexico. Mexico has a really special relationship to loss in mm. general. Um, where they just really are so honoring, and they they just the whole belief system is very very different from what we're used to in the U.S. And so uh, so I'm really I feel so uh, grateful to get to be here and be in this atmosphere. So I love that we're going to talk today about uh, the benefits of loss because I think a lot of times we forget that there's there is a lot that uh comes from loss that rebirth comes from loss mm-hmm. and uh i know you're no stranger to loss in <laughs> in uh in a lot of ways yeah and uh, and i look forward to you talking to us about that today
0: well anybody who's been in the radio business knows that it's um it's very iffy and and, and more than once i've walked into a studio and seen somebody else sitting in my chair Oh, you golly. Know. yeah, and it's it's and it's <laughs> not it's not because of anything you do or anything you say, you know. The old Johnny Fever on WKRP got fired because he said booger, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, it's just you know somebody they change formats or they change management, and you know for some reason you're considered to be expendable. Um, my my worst experience, however, happened. See, it's it's also a very nomadic existence. Uh, on the radio and uh, I had been someplace for three years. And I thought that was an extremely long time to be at any one place. Well, I had done the morning show here in Louisville, Kentucky for 12 years. I was uh, very comfortable. And uh, they called me into a meeting one day when I got off the air and said, John, you're way too expensive. You need to go make your own way in the world. Wow. And I said, okay. (laughs) And then they did the whole, you know, we'll walk you out you know, like you were going to steal something on the way out or whatever, you know, and I've been there wow. longer than any of the other people who were in that meeting. But uh, so um, I, you know, I find myself sitting uh, at home with nowhere to go and nothing to do. And I was not ready to stop. You know, I was like I said, I was comfortable. I was very comfortable. I was I was beyond comfortable. I was too complacent. And what I did was fun. I woke up every morning at four, got to work at four thirty, went home at ten. Played golf for the rest of the day, took a nap, you know, and then later on that no evening. No
1: wonder you got better at golf.
0: I know. See, that's that's why I love the, the schedule, <laughs> the schedule, you know. And all the salespeople will look at you ten o'clock. Go, where are you going? I'm going home. I'm, you know, you were just going to bed. You were still sobering up when I came in here this morning. So, you know. <laughs> but uh, I found myself with with, um, you know, questioning, because I was at an age where. I had I had put down roots. I had two children, both of whom had married and were living locally. Um, each of them had had a child of their own, so we had grandchildren. And my wife was, you know, finally she had a great job. And finally she was like, you know, I followed you around the country my entire life. If you want to go somewhere, now you're going alone because, mm. you know, family mm. is here. And I, mm. I didn't want to go anywhere, you know. I liked it here. So uh, I had to think of what to do, you know. And, and the thing of it is, is I I was terribly despondent when it first happened. But then I realized that being a morning guy on a radio was not who I was. It was just what I did. Mm. So I was still me and I needed to, you know, find out what me was going to do now, you know, had to like basically resurrect me and, and find out what was happening. So, um, I will admit to sitting back. I got a rather large severance check, so I took like three weeks off doing nothing. You know, felt sorry for myself for a little bit, and then you know, got to it. And um, every final-
1: every loss needs a grieving process. Yeah, exactly. You're in. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and
1: sometimes it's alcohol induced. So, <laughs> this you is know. true.
0: This is very true. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I did that for a few days, but. You know, and I also had a partner on the air, and I think she was more upset about it than was I. You know, she she called crying. That uh, you know, yeah. I, I will admit that I never cried. You know, but um, finally we just I I went to a friend who owned owned whoever well, he was general manager of a, a talk radio station here in town, and I said, "Hey, I got a deal for you," because it it set back and and I had I had done other things in my life. There had been other times when. And I had, you know, had temporary separations from radio, and I had done other things, and knew that I really didn't enjoy doing other things. You know, I did mm. some other things well. I sold stuff for a little bit. And I, I trained other salespeople for a little bit. None of them really floated my boat, you know, because I will admit it was way too much like work. You know, <laughs> <laughs> getting. So up. I have
1: to tell you, people in 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 radio and in show business. Mm-hmm say things like that right because <laughs> i have a history in show business that mm-hmm. nobody knows about now because it's 100 years ago but you know we always think like it wasn't really work but it really was work yeah <laughs> it really was it really is it's <laughs> just
0: the fact that when you're very good at it and you really really enjoy it mm. it doesn't mm. feel like work
1: yeah that's right you
0: uh, know i had a guy when uh, early in my career who was saying that you know it's the easiest job in the world being on the radio mm. and i said really and he said yeah and i said well come do it then So he was all full of vim and vinegar and he walked in the studio and he sat down and he said, I'm going to play these records. I said, yeah, fine, whatever, you know, had the record all queued up. I showed him where all the buttons were. He started the record, pushed the button to turn on the microphone and froze. Oh, no. Could not get a word out of his mouth. Wow. And uh, after about 13 seconds, when I turned the microphone off, he got very embarrassed, apologized and left. And I never saw him again. But he learned that it was not as easy as it looked, you know. So but again it wasn't it was it's not work. It's it's a labor of love, I guess you want to call it or whatever. Even getting up at four o'clock in the morning was not the hard part. Going to bed at nine thirty at night was the hard part. Really, was, right? You know, having That's your daughters right. tuck you in and kiss That's you good night
1: was not. That's right. And this really, I mean, you know, I love that you're talking about these day to day experiences because, as you talk about this loss, these are the things that we identify ourselves as, right? Mm-hmm. I am someone who gets up for four a.m. Mm-hmm. place to be, or I am someone who goes to bed early, or right. And these are the ways in which we kind of define ourselves, and that. Get, can yeah. really shake you to the core when you don't have that anymore. Yeah, when
0: those, when those are taken from you. I mean, to this day, mm. that this whole thing happened about 11 years ago. And I still, to this day, wake up at four in the morning every mm. day.
1: Mm. But
0: now I can say, ah, roll over and go back to sleep. Not have to worry about <laughs> at all. But I, I went to a friend and I said, listen, I will do voiceover work for you in return for 30 minutes of airtime. And he said, great, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do a a show about golf. And he said, fantastic, why do you want to do that? And I said, well, because I'm not getting comped anymore and I want to make golf at least tax deductible. (laughs) So, So that's what we did. And real quick story, I called it the Kentuckiana Golf Guide. Okay, because it was just local. And I live in Louisville, Kentucky, which is right on the Indiana border. So, one of the guys at our radio station very early back in the 70s coined the phrase Kentucky Anna for the area because it's Kentucky and Indiana. And our competitor called it Indiyucky, which didn't sound anywhere near as good. But.
1: Not so good. <laughs> no. no.
0: But Kentucky Anna was the area. So, it was a Kentucky Anna Golf Guide. And we had one sponsor. And he called me after his initial monthly run ran out. And he said, I want to renew. I sold a bunch of teas to some guy who said he heard it from those golf guys. And I assumed it was you.
1: And that's how you got the title. That's
0: how I got the name. Yeah, That's so
1: great. That's so <laughs> yeah. great. I that's said, if, so that's, great. if that's
0: what people are hearing, that's probably what I should call it anyhow. Plus, it sounded kind of cool. So
1: I, I love I, that. I and adapted. also, I love this, this sort of... You know, when people go through loss, they forget that they don't have to have it all figured out, right? And they think like I got to have everything. I got to know the title of what I'm doing next and I got to right? And you just moved forward in an organic way. You said, mm-hmm. I want to I want to do this. This is important to me. I like doing my golf. I'm going to find a way to do that where it costs me less money. Right. You know, all of those things. This is how we rebuild. Yeah. And and I think that's really important when we talk about finding our spark because you don't find it like, like that. It doesn't ignite right. Like that. Right. You have to, you have to build that fireplace and then you start to get some ignition.
0: It's rather complicated and and time consuming process um, that, and again, you don't, like you say, you don't, you don't have it all planned out. There was not a five-step process that I had in my head. I had no idea where I was going with it. In fact, I'll tell right. people to this day that that I started the show and it kind of drugged me along with it. It got successful. Yeah. The show got successful and took me to where we are now. It yeah. really wasn't so a whole nice. lot of, of, there wasn't any conscious planning on my part to uh, to do it. It just, it just seemed to work. You know, I had an idea. People accepted the idea. They liked the idea. And um, the, a, a gentleman heard the show. As we put it up as a podcast, as we thought, you know, let's jump on that bandwagon. And uh, well, I left out a step as I, I met I got a guy I brought on as a guest. His name is Jeff Smith. He is currently one of the top 100 golf instructors in the country, according to Golf Digest or Golf Magazine. And he and I hit it off immediately. And I asked him if he'd like to come back on, and he said, "Man, I like to do this all the time. This will be great." So he has been my co-host for seven years now. Wow. And he is one of the best golf instructors in the country, or the world, for that matters. In my, you know, humble yet nevertheless expert opinion, but people um, can learn from him. He has helped with the reputation of the show, and also you find it. And I'm sure when you were doing the the the, the showbiz radio thing, whatever, it's it's a lot easier if you have a foil with you, someone to play wow. off. And, um, yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Of course. Any you know any conversation can have rhythm and it's easy yeah. you know, yeah. but otherwise it is really hard to feel like you're really in conversation unless those people are actually in the theater with you. Yes, right? Indeed. <laughs> that recorded thing, it doesn't feel like conversation. <laughs> no, it
0: doesn't. No, it doesn't. But yeah. well, here yeah. anyway, we uh, we we got to the point where we were we put it up as a podcast. Uh, we started attracting a lot of listeners that way. And a gentleman heard it, who's a program director of a sports radio network out of Houston. And he called me and he said, man, uh, I'd love to put your show on the radio. <laughs> and then, and then ask the question, have you ever been on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, well, now that you mention it.
1: Once uh, or twice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I kind of, I kind of used to do that. Um, so anyhow, that's that's what's happening. We we got on there. We're on 102 radio stations now, coast to coast, and and I've wow. got to give all credit to my wife, who who you know she has a very good job. She's a critical care nurse, and um, works very hard. is uh, is well compensated for working very hard, and basically said, "Listen, hon, I know that that what you're doing is going to work. Mm. It may not work immediately, but I know it's going to work. So don't worry about it. Just do what you can." I know you're working hard and uh, it'll pay off eventually. Mm. And it's past few years, it's been paying off eventually. So
1: What I love so much about your experience and your story, I mean, there's so many elements in it that are part of good grieving mm-hmm. and and good rebirthing of yourself. And a lot of that is about what you just talked about with your wife, Trust, self-trust is really, really important because what I hear when you tell this story of loss, I mean, it is really, you've done something for 12 years. You could really focus on the trauma of walking you out, right? Mm -hmm. You could spend some time there, but beyond that few days in the bar, it it doesn't have a place in your life. It doesn't have a place in your life because your life starts then, because you've got to move forward. That's that's yeah. just the process of living is that yeah. life is always changing. It's always moving. You can't stop it. There is no stopping. Right. Yeah. Um, And so that that sort of you going like, well, maybe this. I like this. I'll tune into myself. I'll figure it out. I'll sort of decide to do something I like. Oh, I'll do it enough. I'll get other people involved. Then they'll give feedback, and then then we'll be creating something together. Oh, look, somebody else likes it so much they want to do it all the time, and I love that guy. Let's talk to that guy, yeah. right? So all of those sort of organic pieces are are really about you trusting you through that process. And, it's and such a beautiful thing. It's
0: kind of like uh, teaching an infant to swim. You know, they say to teach an infant to swim, you just throw them in the pool.
1: Oh, goodness.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, and eventually, they, I mean, they'll learn how to swim. Um, yeah. It's the same thing because if, if you're left up to your own devices, you're going, like human nature, I think, you're going to stay comfortable. You're going to do what you need to do to stay comfortable or you're going to stew in your own despair and, mm. you know, give up or, or whatever. Um, but when suddenly you're faced with no net, Mm. and you're taking a leap, you know that it's up to you to make sure that you make that soft landing. And other people are are relying on you to do that too. And when you learn that part or when you realize that part, it makes it so much easier to get serious and to stop like wallowing in your own self-pity and and move along. You know, you give up the vodka and you you move along, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah yeah yeah, yeah it has a very short uh shelf life the the yeah. i think i'll just feel bad for myself yeah. right no yeah. matter how you how it manifests in your life it's like yeah okay spend yeah. a couple of days doing that are you plus, done yet now plus, it's time
0: plus again my time. wife her, her favorite expression is just suck it up Buttercup, and move along you know so
1: so, yeah. so you've got a lot of good motivation oh, yeah. <laughs> to, to move forward <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, my yeah.
0: Do something constructive or find somewhere else to live. Basically it was mm. not what it's not the quote, but it was the attitude. So, mm. yeah, mm. but mm. Uh, things have worked out and, you know, like I say, I wasn't ready to leave that position. I would have stayed with that position forever just because I was comfortable and complacent and enjoyed it, and did it well, like the people I worked with. Um,
1: mm.
0: None of whom were there anymore, <laughs> because they they went
1: through their own thing. I was, well, I
0: was number one in what turned out to be an 18 month process of cleaning house. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so you talked a little about uh, your identity being lost in that process, Mm -hmm. you know, having to let go and then recreate rebirth in, in, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. Um, it, it gets very easy to, uh you may or disagree with this or not i don't know donalyn but me neither <laughs> one of the re- one of the reasons why we do this for a living is because it's it's a constant uh request for people to love us you know as it's, it's you know please accept me tell me how much you love me tell me how great i am tell me i'm wonderful that type of thing
1: it does help this stroke it, the ego a it, little it when, you, when people like you, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: And when yeah. you're, when you're yeah. no longer in a position like that, mm. it doesn't happen anymore.
1: Mm.
0: You know, the best thing that happened to me is I was in line at the grocery store and I was talking to somebody and a woman behind me said, I recognize that voice. She says, I miss you. And I yeah, went, nice. "Oh, That's nice. Thank
1: that's you. Really
0: you know? Yeah. But, but yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's who i was was the guy in the radio i wasn't dad i wasn't grandpa i was the guy in the radio mm. and just i'm not the guy in the radio that's what i did mm. you know not who i was and i was forced to come face to face with well who are you mm. you know mm. because you're no longer that guy so but you still exist so now you need to figure out your real identity and move along and you know make sure that The rest of the people in your life still know who you are.
1: Mm. You know? So, my experience with that so you know, because uh, John and I are in similar communities, you know, uh, together, but my uh, late husband died not long ago. Now, at the time of this recording, it's seven months, I think. Mm. And, you know, when he died, I felt like it was this giant portal you know, I felt like I am not the same person. He's, he's not the same person, right? Because he's in this new condition that is called dead mm-hmm. or non-physical or however you want to think of it. That's, that's how I think of it, right? Is that He's like no longer in a body. And so there was so much of that, who am I without him? That happened for me, right? So, for you know, in to compare our stories a little bit to correlate them, uh, that was the job, right? That was the identity. Was like I didn't know. I didn't know. I have been. I looked it up uh, for some reason. I was looking up how many days. Something showed me how how many days my cat was alive or something. I was like, I wonder how many days I was married, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized that I was married longer than I had been not married before Uh, and so I thought oh wow okay so here is this essentially if you if you don't you don't just latch on to who you've been and say this is who I am then then you're kind of the person you were when you were 22 right Mm -hmm. and and even in your story there's not just the loss of that job there's the loss of the radio because you didn't know it was coming back around you had no idea right So that sort of, I got to completely let go and allow whatever this next piece is to be is is a really important part of that process to just be accepting of yourself and yeah. not judgmental of yourself and be able to kind of walk forward and go like, even in my case, uh, I found out later there were people in my life, you know, I'm a pretty positive person and I, mm-hmm. I, I spend effort, right? Because I have a bunch of tools, um, keeping myself in a, pl- a place mentally, where, uh, where I don't go dive into the depths of depression, because you get lost there, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you know later i found out that there were people in my family and in my community talking to each other going like is she okay cuz she seems really okay and that's that i'm not really sure about that and then she's making these weird decisions about where she's living and what she's right this is not this is not who we expect her to be mm-hmm. and and then of course there's an inner circle who goes like yeah you're changing yeah. we'll we'll see who you're going to be and we're going to love you no matter what right um hmm. In well, your story, most, your, your wife really filled that role, didn't she? She like, did. Like, she did. She
0: was in, like with you. She's one of the few people that have been around me that knew me as anything other than the guy on the radio. Hmm. You know, so to most of the people that I knew, they too looked at me as the guy in the radio being who I was, not just what I did. Yeah. And and that was, uh, it was it was hard for them to accept. You know, they were like, what are you going to do now? I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know. You know, let's not talk about the 90 days I did as a disc jockey stint at a strip club. That's something that never shows up on the resume. <laughs> ah,
1: look at you. I know. Reach it out. Yeah. Branch it out yeah. there. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. That Ooh. was, uh, that, that was something that was, I mean
1: that's <laughs>
0: a whole new world that you just want to avoid. Really? Trust me. Uh, <laughs>
1: bring that up because because recovery is and and rebirthing is full of bad decisions oh yeah it's full of decisions that you go like yeah that's not it yeah move on to the next one it
0: was the day that you know the young lady ran up off the stage totally nude and hid underneath the table and said take me off the list my dad just walked in (laughs) that that i said you know i don't think i'm really cut out for this (laughs)
1: Oh uh, wow.
0: But, but yeah, it was um it it was it was about 6 to 8 months of of discovery really mm. as to, you mm. know. And I I too went through the same thing. People are like, "You think that's smart? You really want to do that? Why don't you do mm. this because that's more like what you were doing and and that seems more like who you are." And it's like, mm. "No, it's, again, I, that's not who I was. That's what I was." Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm adaptable. I can be many things. I can do many mm. things. So, you know, but again, and I just... love
1: that you recognized that who you are today is different than who you were. Right. Like, like that, that sentence, that's a really big deal to say, well, it's close to what I was doing. So maybe I should reach for that. I think a lot of people, when they go through loss, go through that feeling, but to be able to say like, yeah, but I, now I am this other guy. I'm this guy who did lose that job and who is a grandfather and who looks at life differently and who wants something different, who understands that I can walk through this and be in a different place than, than just another one like this. The interview with John Ashton got interrupted with connectivity issues. You know what that means. We lost Wi-Fi. We continued on another day. Fair warning. We're about to meander around a lot about tech, but stick with us because it all starts to make sense after a while. And if you want to know more about how to go through that change, whatever that big change is you're going through, sometimes life is just putting you through it. Stick with us. Thanks for coming back. I'm really glad that we're getting to connect again. I
0: know. It's fun.
1: I'm always surprised when... Um, companies that didn't exist 20 years ago are, are good.
0: <laughs> Rode was a company that existed nowhere outside of Great Britain for a very long time. Podcasting came. We, we had some of their equipment in a radio station, but podcasting came in and they jumped on that bandwagon with both feet and um, started making a name yeah. for themselves with the microphones and the mixers. And, and, uh, and the, other, the other company I've dealt with, which is also a British company, is Zoom. Uh, they make a lot of audio and I've got a cute little, it's about this big little four channel mixer that I take. Cause we do a live show locally here, uh, starting on uh, Master's master Sunday, we do it live from a golf course It's battery operated. And, uh, I, I've got, I've got a, a program on my phone that emulates about $3,000 worth of broadcast equipment that we used to have to schlep yeah. along with us when we did remotes. And um, I plug this into the little mixer, and it sounds like we're golden.
1: So my audio experience is ancient Mm -hmm. in technology years, right? And uh, so I come back around, and I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast. (laughs) I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, nothing I know applies. (laughs) And I think about the fact that when I was a little kid, my father, uh, he was an accountant, and he had a room full of computer he got a computer it cost him i think it was sixty thousand dollars in you know nineteen money (laughs) and it filled a room it filled an entire room Mm -hmm. and uh that was going to help him to do his account do the calculations faster so that he didn't have to do every calculation right Mm -hmm. and and now here we are, not that much longer, farther forward, right. and you know we're like, oh, I got something on my phone that's more powerful than that entire, way more powerful yeah. than that entire room full. Yeah,
0: it's, you know it, it's yeah. it's phenomenal what it can do, but it, but again, yeah, I it still really is. I still find myself you know missing being able to hang it up on the wall. You know, I miss that. <laughs>
1: Or the cord that's stretched. Yes, and you know, you know and <laughs> it, it, it took chair. it took no
0: time at all to twist up and get. You know, you could have a twenty five foot cord, but it only went five feet because it was all knotted and mangled. And you know, I yeah. used, used to love just hanging yeah. it and watching the thing spin around as it all as it all evened itself out. But uh, yeah, those were the good old days, man. <laughs>
1: It's a it's an interesting thing that we're talking about this because I think that this process that we're talking about of uh, referencing the past to figure out the future mm-hmm. is uh, one of the things that really gets in the way of the grieving process of moving on from the grieving process this idea that what, what typically what happens is Mm -hmm. I had this person and we had all these great times together, whatever relationship it was. And now uh, we're in a new place and I don't have the person and therefore I can't be having great times together. And I won't do those same things. And I have the loss of all of that. And in a way it's, it's, I realize it's quite simplistic, so, you know, I hope our listeners can go with us on this analogy. <laughs> um, but, you know, in a way, it's a lot like that conversation about the cord that came out of the phone that you would go across the hall in order to, you know, close your bedroom door to get a little privacy, you know. Um, it was, that was, that's that's comforting, but it wasn't, it served us in the moment, But, and it was a fun memory. I love, I love that I have that memory, right? I love that that made my brother-in-law scream at me because blah, 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 whatever, right? (laughs) He ran into it in the dark or whatever, right? I mean, those are our memories and, and they don't, they don't go away just because we say, okay, now we have cell phones and we can do different things with them. We have watches. We can have entire phone calls on, right? We, We have a whole other world, um, and so uh, so I wonder if in your experience, going from radio to now radio, right? <laughs> a new kind of radio, a new relationship with radio, uh, what do you, do you relate to that at all? How do you relate to that?
0: I do, first off, I have one of those watches and because of my age, every time I, I speak into it, I flash back to Dick Tracy cartoons, okay? Because that—I mean—that was like the absolute future. I have—I—I I can talk on my wrist, um, but yeah, I—I I know exactly what you're saying. It, It's—I know one of the problems I have is that this radio is totally different from the old radio, because I'm—I'm totally responsible for this. All right, I mean, I have to decide what kind of a mixer I'm going to buy and what kind of a microphone I'm going to buy heavy emphasis, not only on deciding, but on the going to buy part. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and if it breaks, if I Mm -hmm. start a recording and there's a hum, I have to figure out what it is. See, in my old radio career, everything was provided for me. If I had a hum, I called an engineer and said, I have a hum. And he came and fixed it. If I, if I needed uh, some commercials, uh, the sales department provided those. If I needed more listeners, the promotions department provided those. Now I am all of that. And my experience and my education and my knowledge does not really at this moment encompass all of those areas. <laughs> so I feel sometimes, um, you know, like less than, uh, less than good at what I'm doing. I used, I used to be so confident at what mm. I did. I was really good because all I had to do was one thing. Now I feel like, Mm. uh, you know, my ego is suffering a little bit. I don't like that. (laughs) That's painful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that you're bringing this up. I love that you're bringing this up because I can totally uh, relate to this in terms of my my husband was... he, he did everything. <laughs> I think about what he did and I think, Oh God, you really should have been nicer. Um, <laughs> he, you know, uh, he shoveled the snow. Like I didn't ever sno- shovel the snow. I never shoveled the, well, it's not true. A few times I shoveled the snow, but only because he had a cold or something. Right. Not because I just felt like I should contribute. I just thought, okay, that's his deal and he's happy and I'm happy. <laughs> right. And so all of the things that uh that are being taken care of in your world particularly i think when you're in a couple like we were right we we were together for a very long time and we had developed different roles different things that he said hey i i don't mind doing this part and i said well i don't mind doing this part and so we kind of split up all of that and then suddenly you're alone and you're like huh that part's just not getting done (laughs) you know what i mean like you cannot just stay in until it melts in the Northeast. You can't, that's just not an option, you know? And that would be my plan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know when I lived in Maine, we had a little ceremony sometime in November where you were just went out and kissed the ground goodbye. Cause you weren't going to see it again until like April. Mm-hmm. So that would have been a long, yeah. a long hibernation yeah. for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm good with that. We yeah. got have Amazon now. <laughs> I don't really need to go outside. <laughs>
0: Yeah. DoorDash, Uber Eats, Amazon, yeah, just all <laughs> up just inside. And that's it. Yeah.
1: Just saying. It's true. They walk through the snow to my house. They don't care. <laughs> no. No,
0: they're young and vibrant.
1: <laughs> I'm probably the one they complain about. Um. <laughs> no, but it's true. It, yeah. This whole sort of renegotiating your world, right? And yeah. saying, okay. What is yeah. my new relationship to this world? Exactly. Am I a producer? As what you, That's what you became. You became yep. a producer. You yep. said, I have an idea. I'm a creator. I'm a producer. I'm a talent. And I'm going to do all of those things to the best of my ability. Right. Whether I'm good at them yet or not, because I practiced this thing for umpteen years, but mm-hmm. I'm going to have to start practicing this other thing now. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, if I want to get what I want. And I think that's really been my experience walking through the loss of a loved one is that in the beginning, I felt like, oh, I have to do these things. This is not okay. I sort of made myself become someone that I saw him being. And I thought, okay, well, Mm -hmm. this this is how it's done. And I'm just going to have to do it. Like if the toilet needs to be fixed, I'm just going to have to fix it, Mm -hmm. you know, and get my YouTubes and my, you know, start researching and figure this world out. Right. And, uh, and it wasn't until a little while later that I said, oh, okay, wait a minute. Now I have a lot more choices than just the way I saw one person do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now I have to sort of dig deep and say, how do I want to do it? How, how do you, uh, do I want to call a plumber? Yeah. You know, all those things.
0: How how do you counsel people? Because I, I have known people in the past who have been through the same situation as have you, and their initial reaction was not, now I need to learn how to fulfill the roles my significant other did. Their initial reaction is, how do I replace my significant other with people who can do the yeah. things?
1: Yeah. So I feel like, Everybody goes through this really differently, right? And so my scenario, well, my personality okay. to start was one where I'm a very can-do kind of person, right? So if it's not getting done and I don't know another way to do it in that moment, my initial uh, reaction to the world is, well... I'll I'll just do it and then I'll figure it out later, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um and so that's a sort of a part of who I am and how I process. So absolutely most people, many people do not go through it that same way. Um also my scenario really required that of me. Like my when my husband got sick, uh he said to me and this this I guess really speaks to that can-do nature. Uh he said to me, "Will you will you quit your job. Will you quit your job and help me figure out how to get better? Because I had fulfilled that role many times, not just for him, but for other people, in, for my father and for other people in our lives together, that sort of ability to do research and to um, embrace a new paradigm, right? To make my brain go from where it is, to something new is something that I had practiced over the course of many, many years. And so uh, so with the guidance of some amazing alternative doctors, I was able to help him to make choices, to say, these are your choices, what would you like to do? and uh and then, to be the engine, be the steam behind that, right, okay, we gotta drive an hour away every day to get the thing that you know you agree that you want, and that these people say that you need right all of those things, so it really started quite early on in that process and and he went through a couple of strokes and some things, so and it was all very fast, so I you know. W- Dove into that role of doing very easily. And then, only a few days after he died, my house sold. Um, and so, and don't get me wrong, I was so blessed to be able to have people in my life. His brother came, his niece came. Like my family all lives in the area, or many of them live in the area, and they were all really a part of that sort of helping me to just breathe through that time period because it's very hard to function. But after the memorial time, which was only a few weeks later, uh, it was time to pack up everything I owned and everything he had been in process with and figure out, is this a tag sale item or does this go with you into your new life, right? Um, and so that sort of doing energy is is something that that comes very easily to me but it is not uh the the ideal process and it's not a normal process right normally uh what what i would counsel people to do is to slow down and to go a little slower and to really do the tapping into yourself to get some good answers right if you don't have to go like the flash through your life then you're going to be in a much better position uh, in terms of being able to know yourself and being able to make decisions that are in alignment with who you are and, and where you might want to go. And uh, a lot of times, there's a lot of going back and forth in terms of um, looking back to the life that you've had, and being willing to let go of it. That process it's not a one time deal, right? It's not like we just look at it once and go like, I'm sure the same thing happened with you with radio, right? You looked at it and you went like, if I could just go back for a little bit, just give me a little break. Let me go back for a few minutes, (laughs) right? Uh, And so that back and forth, that requires time. That requires time. And it requires a lot of knowing yourself.
0: It does. My on-air partner, her her complaint was when, because one year after they told me I was too expensive, they came and told her the same thing and um and she did not have a happy year working without me which i don't maybe she just told me that to make me feel good but she she was kind of miserable but but her she said i was not ready for my career to end you know she was static mm-hmm. here in town she had she did not have the opportunity to go somewhere else to continue doing what she was doing it was doing it here mm-hmm. or not doing it at all and the circumstances mm-hmm. in the industry were that there's there's no opportunities left so she was very upset mm. because it was like the rug was pulled out underneath her. She had no she had no forewarning and um she just wasn't ready for it. And it was very hard for her to adapt. You know. Yeah. She was less adaptable, I guess less adaptable yeah. than so, was I to begin with, but you know.
1: Yeah, so so this is an important point, I think, right? Because those are the moments where um You know, don't get me wrong. There's a, there's a whole grieving process that can happen before what I'm about to talk about. But when you're ready, when you go, okay, I am now at a point where I want something different than what I have, and I don't know how to reach for it, then that really takes a lot of ability to look into yourself to have a relationship with your spirituality however you define that right outside of religion but to be able to look into yourself and say i want this and i'm willing to breathe i'm willing to sit i'm willing to let the the brain dissipate for a little while i'm willing to do whatever energy routines maybe I embrace, right? I'm willing to be weird in order to know myself just a little bit more so that I can make a decision and follow through on it, right? Because the problem isn't making the decision. I know lots and lots of people who've said, I'm ready to move on, I'm going to X, Y, and Z. The problem is from there, how do you do it day in and day out? How do you become someone you've never been, And that the story that you told us earlier about um, moving from, I just want to not have to pay for my golf, right? That's a great story for me. It's a great story because it is is how people make decisions. It's like, I want one thing and I'm going to move toward it and I'm going to be happy about it and I'm going to trust that everything will work out and I don't know how. But it probably will, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: if it doesn't, you can make adjustments along the way.
1: That's the point. That's the point. That's the point. Yeah. Well, I am so appreciative that you uh, did this with me. This is such a blast. I had a really great time.
0: I grew up in Boston too, you know.
1: I know. I know. We got that in common. And also, I feel like there is something special, and I think that this is worth mentioning because probably a lot of people did this in high school. Um, There's something really special about the arts. Anytime that we're related to uh, theater or uh, film or radio or making artwork, right? There's something really wonderful about even uh, writing, like the creative arts in general, once you've had that experience, and even if you have to go back in time in your brain to the time you were in high school, to be able to tap into that energy, because the energy of creation that way is really an energy that is freeing. It, It is meditative. It is, you know, you tap into yourself in a new way, and I think that that when you practice that for a lifetime as you have, right? To be able to get on uh radio and just be you and be you louder and uh stream, stream that, right? Stream that through you, uh is uh that's a really incredible talent. though. And, and I really appreciate that.
0: And it is so I was just I mean, it, it, I was just so happy that it was able to do it because you know, I fell in love with it in like what the fifth grade. And did uh, I ever tell you the story, how I fell in love with it, if you'd be interested?
1: No, my, my dad, no, my, I would, yeah.
0: My dad was a minister in Boston. So yes, I am a preacher's kid, although I, I prefer the term theological offspring, but uh, PK is what I will continue <laughs> to be. And he was uh, putting together, a, uh, he was in charge of a public affairs program that the Baptists in, in Boston did on, on Channel 5 when it was... Back the old days when it was WHDH-TV in Boston before it became WCVB. But uh, they also had a radio station in the same building. And there is nothing more boring. My dad thought that if I came along with, to, to watch the taping, it would be more educational than spending a day at school. So he took me out of school and brought me along. There is nothing more boring than the process of setting up a television show you know, blocking all the shots and getting the lighting and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, man, I was getting in everybody's way because I was a bored fifth, you know, fifth grader. So the director kind of looked and said, hey, John, how'd you like to go sit in the radio studio for a little bit? And we'll come get you when we're ready. And I said, yeah, okay." So I went into the radio studio and there was a disc jockey in there. His name was Bruce Bradley, called himself Juicy Brucey, And I just was enthralled because he'd sit there and he gave me a set of headphones so I could hear what was going on when the microphone was on and he was talking and he was working without notes. He, you know, he, he would say funny little things over the intros to music and he would get excited at times and be laid back at times and, and just created this atmosphere with the music he was playing. And, and I, they came in and said, we're ready. And I said, I'm going to stay here, you know? And mm-hmm. and the guy, the guy, mm-hmm. Bruce talked to me as if I was an intelligent being, not a stupid fifth grader. And I just left that studio that day just saying, that's what I want to do. I want to be that guy and never look back. I it love was, that. it was my, my one I love that. goal from the fifth grade on, I was going to say to the chagrin of my grandmother who thought I should be a lawyer. That's what she wanted <laughs> me to be a lawyer. Well, you're from New England, you know, back in the sixties, I mean, radio is show business and show business is is just one step above prostitution on the social ladder. So, you know, no, he's, he's one of those show people, you know? So it was like, Oh, excuse me. Didn't mean to do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a very conservative place. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. I love that. It's such a great um, moment of understanding that we as adults, we, change people's lives in an instant. And Mm -hmm. I think it happens so easily with children, but also it happens in our day-to-day life, right? Mm -hmm. You have the opportunity to change somebody's life every time you have an interaction with them, but you have to be willing to be you. You have to be willing to be unapologetically you and that's what it sounds like that guy was certainly it reminds me of uh, the story of the woman who was a uh, in my life when i was a teenager she was a sound designer and uh, in new york city and i just thought she was the coolest person on earth yeah so she was uh, she was amazing she i just thought that this woman walked on water you know i was like that's who i want to be yeah she's someone who could could speak her truth could show up was very talented right and i could see that like i she was being full in her life and for me that was the moment that i was like i'm going to i'm going to do that i'm going to be a sound designer on yep. broadway that's what i want to do yeah. and not long after that i was working on a sound design team in on Broadway in New York, there you know? And though that but that's how seeds are, right? Yeah. That's how seeds are. And I think that's important in the in the rebirthing process because we talk about grieving, but we don't ever really talk about the the next part. That's kind of a a a rebirthing process of not just um how do you become new which is interesting, right? Cause it feels like that when you're in it, you're like, okay, I guess I have to be somebody completely new mm-hmm. because you are absolutely different right? because you're not the person you used to be, but you're not starting over either, right? You're not a teenager. You did go through those things and you get to bring with you the parts of those that serve you. And you get to, if you choose to release the parts of those experiences, that no longer serve you. And I think that's that's the thing, right? That's the thing that we we have to focus on in order to walk through it more easily.
0: Indeed. And uh and and if we can I, and that's probably the secret. If you can do that successfully, then you survive well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a whole bunch of tools, right? They're just a whole bunch of tools that you can use to to get there. And, uh, and this is the thing about, uh, me and the way that I love to approach spirituality is that I don't believe that there's one way. So there are a whole bunch of people in the world, pretty much anybody who's talking about any particular process or product, right. Is saying this is my way is the way. And I think it's, uh, important that we all know that we have the freedom of choice and that you could make 10 different choices and yeah there'll be different roads but they won't necessarily they may all go to a similar place right you might be able to uh, get what you want whether you choose a or b right so uh so choosing a way that feels good, choosing a way that is the ride you wanna be on, right? I wanna ride that roller coaster, that's what matters, as opposed to I want to at the end be in this place place.
0: Yeah. One of the things that guided me is I always went there's so many ways. I always went back to high school and 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 remembered the take the load the the road less traveled. That's that's probably the hardest thing is dealing with the way people deal with you at, at, at the immediate moment. Cause like, you know, sorry for your loss. Oh, my condolences. You're in my thoughts and prayers. I mean, everybody says that it means absolutely nothing. Uh, It's, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't need to hear that. Um, You know, I, I may say something here that, that you're going to have to cut out and I apologize for it, but, (laughs) but the, the best The best communicated sympathy I got the day they told me I was done was one of our salespeople who we got along with really well called me crying. And the only thing she said was I answered the phone and she said, what the fuck? Like nobody could believe it happened, you know? And I was like, well, thank you. I agree. (laughs) I agree wholeheartedly. But that was it. That's all she said. And she just said, I love you. I'll I'll talk to you later and hung up. And that's all I needed to hear from her. I didn't yeah. need, you yeah. know, the, you know, do you have anything on the line? You know, do you need any help? You want to come work for me for a little bit or any of that stuff? You know, it was just like, just leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. Okay. Just leave me alone for a while. You know, let me stew in my self-pity for a couple of days and then we can talk, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I find that um, the people around somebody walking through a loss of any type, uh, d- they don't have a, any way to know where you are, right? And it's not a communicative time. It's not a time that you, you as the person in charge of your own experience, are going to go like, today, this is where I am, right? Because you're not in the outward movement. You're in the inward movement. Uh, Movement, you know, right? You're in inside the shell for a little while to be able to recuperate and to become the butterfly, right? You got to go inside to become that new, new being of yourself. And so, um, so people never know what to say and they always screw it up. I know they have the best of intentions. There are times when, when they do, they really do. They really do. So, you know, even those times when people are like, uh, there are many people who walk through loss and, and they feel like the people that they really related to were when people said, it's okay to have your feelings, right? It's okay to be sad. It's okay to to process. It's okay to be a mess. All of those things. And uh, whereas I walk through it and I thought those things already. I didn't have any question about those things, right? So I was already in that process. And when I could find a happy moment, I was so, or or contented moment, right? I was so happy to be in that moment and to not be in the moments of distress, right? Because it is distressing to go through giant change. That when people would say, it's okay to be sad, I'd be like, is it okay for me to be happy? Right? Is it okay for me to be showing up wherever I am, wherever I am? And I think that's a really important piece of the puzzle, right? It's just what she said to you, it was, I am in shock. Yeah. And you were in shock.
0: Yeah. Real quick, when my mom passed away, she had ALS. So we knew it was coming. And it was a long, slow, laborious, very sad process. And, you know, and I I had the guilt of living 1,232 miles away from her. So, you know, so it was I didn't mm-hmm. see her all that much. Mm-hmm. But during the memorial service they had for her when the family was there, a woman who knew my family very well, but I had never met, was sitting next to me at the service. And she put her hand on my knee and she said, you know, she said, a boy never gets over the loss of his mother. And I was mm-hmm. like, are you trying to make me feel better? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure how to take that right now, but 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 thanks for the thought. I'm going to go over here now, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, that's not, really? ex- I'm going to feel this bad forever. <laughs> yeah. It's not exactly what I needed to hear right
1: now. You know?
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think it is important that what you were just talking about, that these are well-intentioned people who want to reach out to you and that, that, that the intention, regardless of what the words are, and the sentiment is, yeah. is that the intention is, I love you. I support you. Right. I want you to feel better. I see you in pain and I, and I wish that I could make it different for right. you. Right. Um, and, uh, and I think that's the intention of absolutely everyone that talks to you during yeah. that time period, right? They show up in different ways. Uh, I know my, my beautiful aunt called me uh, when, when Tim passed away I don't I don't know exactly when it was. Well, she she had wanted to come to the memorial, but she couldn't make it. And so I know she had called me right in that time period, and her husband had died uh almost at the same age. So these all you know, this was she's like an incredible um resource for me, and someone who really knows what this walking through this particular path feels like. Um and uh, in that moment, her words were so comforting to me, right? Yeah. But uh, but how do you know? How do you know? Do you, just showing up and saying, you know, I love you. Yeah. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's not, you know, know I, I finally. It, well, it's not forever. Nothing yeah. is forever. I
0: finally got to the point where I had a very good friend who had a, a, a death in, in her family and she was not dealing with it well. And I just put my arm around her and said, I wish I could make you feel better, but I know I can't. That was it. Yeah. That's all I said. Because that yeah. that's what we all know. So that was it.
1: Yeah. I think that's right. That's so that's what we put into the spirituality column, right? Mm. The things that we cannot describe with words, because right. words fall short. Yep. Yep. Words are smaller than we can. We can't even stack them up. Yeah. To to mean what we really mean vibrationally, what we really mean in, in this world, right. in this existence definitely so
0: it's been great
1: well it's such a joy